It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. After several years of litigation, the case between the Sitka Tribe of Alaska and the Alaska Department of Fish and Game and Board of Fisheries has been resolved and will not go to trial this summer. Sitka Tribe filed suit against ADF&G in 2018 over the department's management of the Sitka Sound Sacro Herring Fishery. On Monday, Juno Judge Daniel Shalley signed the order vacating the trial, originally scheduled for June 1st. Over the last year, Shalley made three separate rulings in the case that will affect how the fishery is managed in future years. Last March, Shalley ruled that the state had not adequately documented how it was ensuring reasonable opportunity for subsistence in its management of the commercial fishery. In November, he ruled that the state had failed to clearly show how it considered the quality and quantity of herring spawn when making management decisions. Both rulings were wins for Sitka Tribe. Judge Shalley's third and final ruling last month came down in favor of the state. Attorneys representing STA argue that ADF&G is required under certain clauses of the Alaska State Constitution to use the, quote, best available information when making management decisions about the fishery. They argue that the state had not used the best available information during the 2018 season when it failed to provide a subsistence harvest data report and a scientific study reviewing the state's model to the Board of Fish. Judge Shalley ruled that there is no constitutional requirement for ADF&G to use the best available information. On Tuesday, SDA issued a press release expressing disappointment in the third ruling. General Manager Lisa Gassman said, quote, STA is considering its options and the implications of this decision going forward. STA has not yet decided whether to appeal the court's ruling or seek changes from the Alaska Legislature or Board of Fisheries to explicitly require ADF&G to use the best available information. Nevertheless, the tribe considers the principal litigation resolved and has asked the court to enter final judgment in the case. The U.S. Senate on Thursday blocked a quick consideration of a waiver that would have allowed foreign-flagged cruise ships to visit Alaska ports this summer. Federal law requires Alaska-bound foreign-flagged cruise ships to stop in Canada, with Canada's ports closed to cruise ships through next February due to COVID-19 concerns. The 19th Century Passenger Vessel Services Act effectively prevents Alaska's cruise season from going forward. Alaska Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski asked the Senate Thursday to fast-track a short-term waiver of the law for voyages between Washington and Alaska. She said hope for a 2021 season was fading. Back home right now, people are not talking about the season for 2021 coming up. The motto is get through to 22. That's an awful way to be approaching our situation. And so they have asked for help. They realize they realize that anything that we can do to try to salvage even a few weeks of tourist season is going to be important to us. She offered an amendment to the waiver bill, dubbed the Alaska Tourism Recovery Act, that would require cruise lines to carry defibrillators, provide passengers with a bill of rights, and ask regulators to draw up new rules for cruise lines to return human remains when a passenger dies at sea. She said the amendment had been negotiated with two Democratic colleagues. But the waiver stalled after Utah Republican Senator Mike Lee objected to the amendment, calling it a, quote, poison pill. Nevertheless, Alaska Republican Senator Dan Sullivan, who co-sponsored the waiver, says he's optimistic about the bill's future. Here on the Senate floor, despite what you've seen, there's actually been momentum and movement 
and I'm confident we can get there. Federal maritime law is only one barrier to a summer 2021 Alaska cruise season. Orders from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have prevented large cruise ships from sailing from U.S. ports since last March. Sullivan and Florida Republican Senator Rick Scott recently attempted to fast-track a measure to require the CDC to lift cruise ship restrictions by July 4th. But an objection from Washington Democratic Senator Patty Murray, citing safety concerns, blocked easy passage. The CDC told cruise lines on Wednesday that it remains committed to resuming passenger operations by midsummer. When land is scarce, one way to make housing more affordable is to increase density by building apartment complexes and multifamily homes. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. In Sitka, the largest apartment building in over two decades is going up, but the 10 units will be more costly than the market average. As KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports, a developer behind the project says the economics just don't pencil out. Before property manager Vicki D'Amico even advertised the one- and two-bedroom apartments under construction at Ceiling Cove, she'd already rented out three of them. It has all top-of-the-line, you know, equipment, and, and that's what makes them so appealing. People walk in and say, wow, they have a wow factor. They really do. The two-story purple building is a flurry of activity. There's still countertops to install and trim to finish before renters move in just a few weeks from now. All of the apartments are already rented, and D'Amico even has a waiting list. Well, look at that view! Man! But it's not just the view of the mountains or the quality of construction that's attracting renters. It's that they can't find anything else. Even professionals with higher incomes are struggling to find housing, D'Amico says. You know, I watched the market. I watched what's available, and I thought there were some things available, but, but so many people said, no, there just, there just isn't. And, or it's not a, something I'd want to live in, or, you know, is what I hear. It's crazy. And some people put money down in the application, sight unseen, yeah. which, which tells you about, like, desperation, I think. Every year, Sitka's housing supply increases slightly, but on average, nearly half of that construction comes in the form of single-family homes. And a lot of it is high quality and high value, says building official Pat Swedeen. Most of the new houses we see built are fairly high-end, pretty high cost per square foot to build. New apartment complexes are rare. According to building department data, Sitka's added a little over 20 in the last two decades, and most of them are small, with three or four apartments. Since 2000, only two privately funded developers have constructed long-term rentals bigger than a fourplex. We're not really ready as a city, I don't think, to move beyond the fourplex. That's John Hardwick. He and his wife are the developers behind the new templex at Ceiling Cove. Many times, even on a large piece of property, it's more cost-effective to build two fourplexes than it is to build one eightplex, which doesn't make sense. You know, if you're in the building trades, usually one foundation, you know, one set of exterior walls, one roof is more efficient. He says the additional safety requirements for buildings with more than four apartments, like sprinkler and fire suppression systems, drive up the cost. Financing is also more expensive. He says his company didn't receive any local, state, or federal assistance to help offset the costs. Add energy efficiency measures, parking requirements, skyrocketing lumber prices, and unforeseen projects like building a seawall. And he says the apartments aren't going to make money anytime soon, even with high rental rates. They're charging around $500 more than the fair market rent, 
And that doesn't include utilities. You know, it's just a question of can we do it and make it economic? Turns out, yeah, we're not able to do that. So we have a learning experience is what we like to refer to this as. Hardwick says they were trying to fit as much housing on one property as they could, knowing that possible expansions from Search and the Coast Guard could make a tight housing market even tighter. He thinks there are opportunities for the city to work jointly with private developers to address Sitka's housing issues. I know that the comprehensive plan for the city of Sitka says that they would like to have higher densities, and yet when the rubber meets the road, it becomes a little bit more problematic. You know, it's it's not saying that you can't do it. You can build it. But if it's not economic, why would you, you know, put your hand in the blender again? City Planning Director Amy Ainsley says there are many ways to encourage denser and more affordable development, from tax incentives and fee breaks to increasing access to financing and relaxing requirements for accessory dwelling units. Some cities even have a dedicated affordable housing fund. The approach that Sitka has generally taken has been to look at our general code to see what parts of our code might be encouraging or discouraging certain types of development. Sitka's zoning is fairly accommodating to denser development. The bulk of residential zones do allow for at least a duplex. And even if Sitka isn't adding a bunch of new apartment complexes, Ainsley says she has seen progress over the last couple of years, especially since the city reduced minimum lot sizes and modified some density requirements. There are definitely developers who are taking advantage of some of these changes to the code. Still, she says there's a lot of work left to do. If you're measuring success, I think a lot of people tend to do that based on is housing affordable? And I think, you know, a lot of people would still say the answer is no. D'Amico, the property manager, says one potential tenant told her, quote, People are coming into work, and you're going to have tents pitched if you don't do something. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. Throughout April and May, KCAW News will be bringing you stories about affordable housing solutions every Friday as part of our Building Solutions series. To find photos and more in-depth reporting, visit kcaw.org slash building solutions. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game hosts an online meeting to review and discuss the status of NSEI and SSEI sablefish stocks with Southeast Alaska sablefish stakeholders and the public at 1 p.m. today. Contact ADF&G for more information. The University of Alaska Southeast Sitka campus celebrates its 2021 graduates with a virtual commencement ceremony at 5 p.m. today. For more information, contact Emmy Rolls at 747 7721. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News. 